Hi there, and welcome to another edition of DorkFest, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this time around, the second of our three-part series involving DorkFest, the podcast, the Movie Madness Tournament. We hope that you enjoyed our selection show, and hopefully you've checked out all the brackets online at DorkFest underscore podcast on Instagram. Maybe you've even filled out a mock bracket of your own. This is part two, though, so we're going to actually be starting to reveal some of the results on this particular edition. We're going to be taking it from 64 films down to 16 and setting the stage for that sweet 16, which will eventually become the one film to rule them all. Before that, though, let's get some housekeeping out of the way first. Of course, we mentioned Instagram. We'd love for you to follow us and connect with us on Instagram. We can be found there at dorkfest underscore podcast. And please subscribe, rate, and review to our little pod wherever you enjoy your podcasts, be it Google Play, Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. I am Dan Freemuth, once again, the arbiter for these particular proceedings, but with me, of course, for this incredible endeavor are the rest of the dorks let's start with the next eldest dork as he enjoys so fondly reminding me of my age he is the next senior member on this particular pod it is of course my brother josh josh how's it going i'm great dan and i'm uh, i'm glad you got your moderating job back before you turn into part of your baseball card collection before you really do grow old Oh, brother. Yep. Okay. Keep keep the antiquated jokes coming. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like me to, to, to bring up Old Fossil? I, I can throw that in <laughs> oh, somewhere. Or I know. I'll, sa- I'll save that one for the next show. Yeah, you got you got a whole you got a whole list you're going through. Just cross one off and just keep keep moving down the list. Appreciate that. Glad, glad to have you on board for the festivities. Of course, the other J Boy contingent in our Dorkfest, the podcast. It is Jordan. Jordan, how are things on your end? Things are going well. Um, listeners may remember the last time uh, the moderator offered a little bit of a dig at my facial hair. Uh, they may be happy to know that not only did I trim my beard, but I also mowed the grass. And and actually, I'm, I, this reminds me, I, I needed to tell everybody about this. So when I was out mowing the grass, um, I, I heard this voice coming from our backyard. So I went back there to investigate and I actually wrote down what it said. It said specifically, if Jordan wins the next podcast, No Time to Die will come out in theater. So I, I mean, I, I like, I don't know wow. for sure if it's going to happen, but wow. I mean, we've been waiting for this film for a little while. It might be, it might be worth a shot. I just heard a voice. Did the voice sound anything like Albert Broccoli? That's, that, isn't that Albert Barkley? Is that, is that, that fella or? Well, Jordy, I tell you what, if it takes you winning a podcast for us to finally get to see No Time to Die in theaters, it, it might just be worth it. I, I, I don't know. Ease our pain. <laughs> we will go the distance to be able to see No Time to Die in theaters. Jordy, thanks so much for joining us. And last but certainly not least, the Maryland contingent on Dorkfest, the podcast. It is Gabe. Gabe, what's new? I'm excited to continue with this, and I know there's been some dust-ups so far uh, in the matchups we have, but, you know, all we have to decide is what to do with the matchups that are given to us. It is our future. It is our destiny here on DorkFest, the podcast. Gabo, Josh, Jordan, thanks so much for joining us once again. This is 
part two in our little dork fest, the podcast movie madness tournament trilogy. Alliteration aside, we are going to be taking the field from 64 down to 16 films in this particular episode. And of course, the final edition in this trilogy will be when we vote live to find the one film to rule them all. On this particular show, our one point question, we are going to be getting out of everyone's observations from the first round. All the voting was done via email, so people don't know how each other voted, but everybody of course does know the end results of the first round because we then had to get the secret voting to get from 32 down to 16. So our one point question this time around will be everyone's observations from the opening round or the opening crawl as it was deemed in our Dorkfest, the podcast, movie madness bracket. So we'll give everybody's thoughts, observations from round one. Our two point question will then be the results of 32 to 16. Now, the other dorks, Josh, Jordan, and Gabe, do not yet know the results from round number two, so that will be fresh to them. We'll get their raw reactions as we unveil the Sweet 16. And then for our three-point question, we asked everybody at the tail end of the selection show who you got. The three-pointer this time around is going to be who you got now based on the results of rounds one and two are the dorks going to stick with their initial picks or are they going to adjust based on the results so far and predict a new champion in the dork fest podcast movie madness bracket we will have to wait and see on that but before we dive into the meat of this particular pod let's warm up a little bit gentlemen and we are not necessarily going to focus in on the movie madness tournament for our warm-up question. Instead, we're going to go with a more timely question. And I would like to know, gentlemen, if you could select a medical personnel from the Dorkfest expanded universe to administer your COVID-19 vaccine, who would it be? You can take anybody from the expanded universe in our beloved Dorkfest, the podcast, movies, and TV shows to administer your COVID-19 vaccine. Who you got there? Josh, lead us off. Well, mine is not a medical personnel, not even personnel at all. I am taking the ITO interrogation droid from Star Wars A New Hope, the little black floating ball on the Death Star that Vader threatened Leia with. Um, That thing seemed designed to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to administer a shot. Seems like a really efficient delivery system for the COVID vaccine. I'm going with the IT0 or ITO, I'm not positive which one, uh, interrogation droid from New Hope. Absolutely brilliant selection there. Josh, always, always hitting the home runs here on Dorkfest, the podcast, and he delivers a no-doubt-about-it blast right out of the chute to get us started. That is going to be tough to beat. Jordan, I'm looking at you. What what do you have? Who would you have administer your COVID-19 vaccine? It's never fun following up after Josh. Um, I, 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 too, am not going to go in the medical direction, though I am going to go with an actual person um and my person is still a doctor and he is a doctor present in the movie madness bracket and i'm gonna go with doc brown um dr emmett brown um two specific reasons um 
you know, not only, you know, I figure he can probably actually administer the vaccine. If not, he can probably be trained on how to do it. But then not only that, he can also then travel back and administer said vaccine to pass Jordan such that I am then able to get my vaccine earlier. And, and even if he, you know, maybe for ethical reasons, he doesn't feel comfortable doing that. But even if he just doesn't do that, I would want him to give me the shot just so I can hear him say, masks, where we're going, we don't need masks. <laughs> that, that's my favorite part of that selection, because up until then, yeah, I was really worried about the ethical dilemmas that were at play here. Jordan getting past Jordan getting the vaccine, but not the rest of us. We don't want to delve into stopping the whole COVID thing altogether. It was just all I heard was so I can go back in time and pass Jordan gets the vaccine. But I do love the masks where we're going. We don't need masks. That That's excellent. Well, you have to imagine, like, he would have gotten up on that chalkboard. And, I mean, going back and, like, reversing the whole pandemic, that, that, that could cause a lot of problems down in the, in the space-time continuum. You know, but, like, just giving me a vaccine, that's probably not going to do that much. This is heavy duty, Jordan. That's we, – we, we know that much. That chalkboard scene where the timeline skews into yep. the tangent <laughs> yep. in two is one of my, like, absolute favorite scenes in Love any it. movie ever. That is so cool. Jordy, that is a great selection with Doc Brown, a, a, a non-medical doctor, but a doctor nonetheless, administering your COVID-19 vaccine. I'm going to go kind of a similar vein to Josh. I'm taking another droid in the Star Wars universe, and I'm going with the 2-1-B series medical droid, and it's that blue droid in Empire Strikes Back, the one that helps Luke in the in the back to tank after he gets attacked by the Wampa. And then you see him again as he's kind of helping out his, his mechanical hand. I think, you know, droids, they don't have necessarily the human failing. So like, I'm pretty sure like we're like when that vaccine is administered, I'm thinking I'm in good shape and I'm going to pull kind of a binky move here. And I recently finished a book that's called From a Certain Point of View, and it's a series of short stories from, well, the one book is A New Hope, and then the second edition is Empire, and there's a really neat short story about that droid, and he's got kind of a fun personality. He's able to joke around with Luke, and you get kind of like a next-level look at him, and I kind of remember that being a quaint little tale uh, in that novel. So that, coupled with his precision as a medical droid, I'm thinking that vaccine, I'm 100% when that vaccine gets administered by the 2-1-B series medical droid from The Empire Strikes Back. So we got two droids. We got a time-traveling doctor administering Jordan's vaccine. Gabo, where do you go? Fantastic choices all around, guys. And, and it's interesting that I kind of split the difference on all of your choices, in a sense, um, where you guys had some really either well-considered or, or creatively inspired selections. I went with just cold, hard Starfleet efficiency. Um, and I was thinking through the medical personnel and I thought, wait a minute, we don't want them on the ground administering vaccines. We want them in the labs researching stuff. You know, we need them on the very front line. So who do we put on, uh, on the ground? Well, what's more efficient than setting up a bunch of emergency medical holograms throughout the entire affected area and having the very pleasant Robert Picardo just sort of hypospray his way through all the populations that need hypospraying. Um, I haven't watched a whole lot of Voyager, but uh, my mother-in-law-to-be is a, uh, I'm so lucky, a fellow dork 
in many aspects. And she's been doing a, a Voyager rewatch, so inspired. I've been sort of doing a, a few seasons myself and uh, really enjoy the emergency medical hologram. I think he's a cool character with fun development. And um, I'd like to see an army of them deployed uh, to make some efficient medical care happen. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Well, Doc, we've got millions upon millions upon millions of people that need a vaccine to this super horrible virus that has basically shut down life as we know it for a year. You need a miracle. I'm a doctor, not an engineer. <laughs> That's a great choice, Gabe. And that was actually the second choice that I had written down. The, the third choice, Gabe, I think you would appreciate this. Not a doctor, but healing powers. I was thinking about Elrond from oh. Lord of the Rings. That's so good. Sorry, but I mean, sorry. Uh, I had, no, love, I had to go no, my Star Wars droid first. Own that excellent choice. That's phenomenal. That was if I was going to pull a binky move and out of the shoot be like, well, I was thinking about these seven choices, but instead I, I'm going to list them all and then say the one that I settled on. Yeah, I haven't done that in like three <laughs> podcasts. I know. I, it, doesn't, I really, it doesn't I really, matter. I really intimidated him on the on the star trek six one i really shot him down he's been towing the line since. yeah exactly great choices all there gentlemen and an excellent warm-up to what i have no doubt will be an excellent podcast but now let's delve into the meat of this particular episode let's start to move this bracket along we said we're going to get from 64 to 16 films in this pod so boy howdy we, we better get to work so for one point I'd like your observations from the first round. But before that, we've got to let the listeners know how the first round actually came about. I will just quickly note some general tendencies. I'm not, we're not going to list each and every film that advanced. Suffice it to say, it was chalk unless we say otherwise. There was only one region that was all chalk, the higher seeds going all the way through. And strangely enough, not sort of anti its namesake. It was the shifty region. The shifty region had no shiftiness whatsoever in the opening round. It was all the higher seeds. It is worth noting that number four seed Thunderball did require a tiebreaker to be able to get through. It was dead even, three votes apiece. The tiebreaker was that each dork was allocated 10 points to distribute amongst the two films in question. It was number four, Thunderball, and 13-seeded Star Wars, The Force Awakens. And Thunderball gets by on the hair of its chinny-chin-chin, or maybe by the, the slim margin of one of those harpoon darts in the underwater battle. It survives 34-26 to 26 against The Force Awakens. And with that, all the higher seeds advance. We had six nothing sweeps from Jaws, Jurassic Park, and Star Trek Three. Top seeded Star Trek Two won five votes to one, but does advance. So the shifty region, all the higher seeds advancing there. Nearly chalk in the binky region. I say nearly chalk because one through seven, they all got through, including six nothing sweeps. From the number one seed Empire, number two seed Hunt, number three seed Raiders, and number five seed Casino Royale. The only upset, ninth seeded Star Wars The Last Jedi. We say upset by seeding. Ninth seeded Star Wars Last Jedi upset. Eighth seed Ocean's Eleven, four votes to two. And there were no ties 
in the Binky region either. The remaining two regions did feature some fairly sizable upsets, each of these regions with 11 seed over six seed upsets. Of course, we're talking about the Danil and the Fleck region. In the Danil region, there was only one Six nothing sweep that was featured in the three versus 14 seed as from Russia with love easily dispatched 14th seeded gladiator. There were five five to one votes, so fairly convincing victories for top seeded Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, second seeded Star Trek for the Voyage Home, also fourth seeded Back to the Future, seventh seeded Toy Story, and eight seeded Batman Begins. But in the closest matchup of the opening round, the 11-6 upset, Josh, cover your ears. It was the 11-seeded, a league of their own, toppling six-seeded Ghostbusters. It was a 3-3 tie. The tiebreaker ends up going a league of their own's way, 33-27. Again, in the most tightly contested affair we had in the opening round. And finally, in the Fleck region, 6 nothing sweeps. For top-seeded Goldfinger, second-seeded Star Wars A New Hope, and third-seeded Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. We also got a convincing win by number seven-seed Rogue One and eight-seeded The Sting, those both advancing via five-to-one counts, and the fifth-seeded Dark Knight able to defeat 12th seeded The Untouchables in a 3-3 tie, Dark Knight advancing there 36 to 24. So that's the gist of how the first round uh, all kind of came to be. For one point, gentlemen, observations from the opening round or the opening crawl, as we have dubbed it. Gabe, let's start with you first. My thanks, Dan. And just the first thing I want to note um, is the amazing consistency with which, yeah, it's not just chalk, but it is the franchises we tend to consider our core that are uh, not only succeeding, but counted many amongst our, our routing ranks here. A lot of the sticks and O's are heavily weighted on the sides of, uh, of Star Wars, of James Bond, of, um, you know, just Harrison Ford in general sometimes. I'm also very entertained by a lot of the five to one votes. There's one in particular that uh, really confused me that I wanted to throw out to the question of the group first, and I'm supposed to be making my points during this time, but I had to ask, in the Fleck region, Seed 7, Rogue 1 against Seed 10, The Born Identity. Who was it that had the audacity to prevent Rogue 1 from becoming a 6-0 victor? That would be me. I did, in my voting, I did try to not lean too heavily on the franchises. And I think that was one uh, where I, I, I love Born Identity. I think it's a tremendous movie uh we didn't have too much matt damon on this list uh i know i wasn't going to vote for the departed um i believe i voted for oceans 11 too which which came up short um but yeah i think he's outstanding in that movie i think it's i think without that movie we don't get any of the daniel craig bonds in the way that they came out like so not only is it great but it influenced a franchise that has had this rebirth that we love so yeah i i voted for that one rogue one is fantastic i'm glad it went through uh, i voted against it again in the second round but um it, it's certainly a deserving win no, absolutely. And I also want to clarify, I don't mean to spend this entire time calling out people for their votes. You know, everybody knows I think you can do exactly the same for me in some instances. But, well, uh, you have reasoned it out. 
Josh, you, it is, uh, that is unimpeachable. I cannot, I cannot argue with your logic. And um, yeah, certainly the note about the Bourne franchise influencing the Bond franchise in positive ways seen clearly by um, the ascendancy of uh, Casino Royale and Skyfall, especially, I think are, are notable. Again, just sort of rounding out some of the, the franchise ones that go, I'll call out my own, uh, a couple of my own five to one votes. Cause I know, I thank you guys all for appreciating Batman begins as you do, because I know I was the lone return of the King vote on that one. Tough as it was to vote against Batman begins. I, I know on which side my Shire bread is buttered. My Lembus bread is buttered. That's the better joke. And this one sort of surprised me. I was uh, surprised to be the lone big Lebowski vote against field of dreams. I, it's been a while since I've seen field of dreams. I know I need to re up myself on that. If not, uh, I don't mean to, downplay that movie at all it's it's a it's an excellent movie but yeah i thought um lebowski that took it for me so i was i was surprised to be the lone vote there but that was that was fun i also just want to note for fun comedy purposes finally before i turn it over to whoever wants to comment next is the lone vote against wrath of khan for planet of the apes which was just an excellent chuckle box of a surprise for me i i think if the group puts its head together could probably figure out who who offered that vote. I do have to say, I'm glad the Planet of the Apes got at least that one vote. I, I mean, we 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 mentioned it in the last pod that that was the only 16 seed that had even you know uh, an iota yeah. of a shot of taking down a one seed. That was Josh's um, own shot, yeah. Yeah, so it, it 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 was nice to see that get at least that one. I, you know, Dan, when you ask about the observations, you referenced this earlier, but for me, the story of the opening round is Thunderball just barely surviving. You know, we had talked in the last pod that in terms of a four seed, Thunderball was one that we you know thought might not get to the Sweet Sixteen, but I did not see it struggling to get out of the opening round. Um, so, you know, for that to have to go down to a tie and then especially with the rest of that region being chalk, I mean, if that goes a different way, that then creates a whole new narrative for that region, uh, which would have been really, really interesting to see. But I think, you know, that's, that's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen to Thunderball here in the next round too. Um, a couple other things and, and, you know, and Gabe, on one hand, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up. On the other hand, I'm not because it's probably traumatizing for you. And I, and I don't want to do that to, you know, two cousins, one destiny. If, if you feel trauma, I feel a little bit of trauma. So I don't want to do that to you. But it, it, I, I was thinking about this with specifically with Fellowship of the Ring. Because I saw the Fellowship of the Ring got a clean 6-0 sweep. And I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Did someone hijack Tim's votes? And, and, and allow, But then I see it comes up against, I believe if I'm correct, the Avengers. Um, now, our father is partial to some of the Marvel movies. He actually, I have to give him credit, he was getting into them before, before certainly I was. And Dan, I don't know about you, I don't know if he was you know, seeing them in theaters before you were either. Um, I, was, I was surprised to see Fellowship of the Ring do a clean sweep there, get that 6-0, and, and, you know, not even have one vote for the Avengers. But then also, um, yeah, truthfully speaking, I was disappointed to see no Marvel representation um, moving into the field of 32. I, you know, I was hoping at least one would be able to sneak in there. Um, unfortunately, it, it was not to be. And, you know, it is painful uh, to discuss just a little bit. Uh, I think Josh bears a greater pain, but – you know, darn it, Bones, I need my pain. You know, I, this gives me that much more drive to throw behind 
the Dark Knight as it continues. But to touch on the Marvel movies, um, yeah, it is interesting. I didn't think Guardians would get through. Um, I definitely didn't think Avengers would get through. I did not think it would be a 6-0 sweep. So that was uh, definitely a, a glowing silver lining to the, uh, that you know, loss of Avengers there, which of the Marvel movies, I might have been most fine losing that one. I was curious about the, the both Infinity War and Endgame had four to two votes. Um, I'm willing to bet it's exactly the same four to two votes uh, on both of those. I know I was one on each. Um, I don't need anybody to reveal themselves here, of course, as, since I'm already betraying what I said I wouldn't do. But just interesting to note that the one and two parter there, um, possibly the best that Marvel has to offer, at least on this list, fell by uh, similar margins. No pushing back Thanos there. So I think, uh, you know, apologies, Gabe, I love you, but I, I probably have to bear some of the responsibility for uh, no Marvel movies getting through. I, I, I can't think of another franchise on the list um, where there's one of us who is just not a big fan. Um, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, James Bond, uh, you know, Indiana Jones, Jack Ryan movies, things like that. You know, we're all have at least some level of fandom and I'm just not a Marvel guy. I never got into them. I've watched a few of them lately and you know, there's a certain amount of feeling overwhelmed by the magnitude of how many there are and not wanting to commit the time to go through them all. So I didn't vote for any Marvel movies and it's no, you know, judgment on them or the people that like them. It's just, I haven't watched I don't think I've watched any of these except for The Avengers, which I said on the last podcast that I didn't think that one was very good. Um, you know, if Black Panther had been in here, then maybe that would have gotten a vote for me, depending on what it came up against. So I think the, these Marvel movies were hampered by the fact that I was never going to vote for any of them, just because I haven't seen them. If, if, if I caused you that pain, then maybe it is my penance that my beloved Ghostbusters was eliminated in a squeaker. It put up a fight to the last. It tried crossing the streams, but n nothing could work against against those darn uh, Racine Bells and uh, what was what was the other team? What was Dottie's team? The Peaches. The Peaches. The Rockford Peaches. Yeah, Josh, that was beautiful. And firstly, just obviously, no apologies needed. This is all in good fun. And uh, if you actually hurt my feelings, I just stopped talking to you like an adult. I, and they're not voting for Marvel thing. Honestly, I mean, if we're thinking about it, this is our newest franchise. To me, it's a Marvel that it's on the bracket at all, uh, any of the movies, and that you like any of the movies at all. It's also, frankly, somewhat marvelous to me as well. I'm glad you find something, you know, at least a couple of these things connect with you. They're obviously, you know, I think basically they're only on the bracket because there's a period of about 10 years there where I just never shut the hell up about them. So it's very nice of you all to have taken that and turned it into something tolerable for you all. Um, but really, uh, what means more to me, frankly, and bracketly speaking, is that uh, Batman continued, as it were. Batman returned for the second round. And uh, yeah, both begins, though I think it is not long for this bracketing. Uh, and The Dark Knight, which maybe has a chance, maybe. Maybe it'll live long enough to see itself become a top 16 pick. We'll have to see. But um, honestly, Josh, I do feel worse for you in the matter, like, let alone the Marvel stuff. I didn't think that was going far at all. To lose Ghostbusters immediately is just rough. And by such a, and by such a close tie as well. I just, I, I feel for you. And I feel like that hurts more than the entirety of the Marvel. 
I think this is fitting because we're we're talking about really the two eleven over six seeding wise upsets that we saw in the first round, and, and those are the two biggest upsets that we saw again from a seeding standpoint in the opening round. The eleven in a league of their own over the six in Ghostbusters, and then Avengers Endgame, which ends up falling to eleventh seed Skyfall. Endgame being the highest ranked. Marvel movie. And Gabe, I can tell you right here and right now that Endgame, uh, one of those two votes was for me. Um, because, it. It. yeah, yeah, because I really, I do enjoy that movie. It was and, the music. And Sky, Skyfall's good, but I, I, I don't, I, I have issues with that movie as well. So um, yeah, that, that was a pretty easy vote for me, but obviously Skyfall prevails in the end, doesn't even need a tiebreaker to get through it. And that was hearkening back to our selection show episode. That was an upset that several people noted like, oh boy, yeah, based on the voting contingent, Endgame is is in trouble and could be in some jeopardy. And and we saw that come to pass. And then, you know, Josh, to, to your point, you know, Ghostbusters, I, I think, and we talked about this during the selection show, the timing, I think, really hurt this movie. Because we are, we filmed the selection show right at the start of baseball season. We are now in the throes of baseball season. You've got some people casting votes who are big baseball fans and not big Ghostbusters fans per se. Uh, you know, and thirty three twenty seven to fall in, in the tiebreaker, I think is is absolutely brutal. And just wrapping up the Marvel point, you know. Yeah, Gabe, I, I was hoping that at least one Marvel movie would find its way through. I, I guess I thought that Endgame had a chance, you know, for Guardians against Man Who Would Be King. That probably didn't stand a chance right from the get-go, but still got two votes. So, you know, that's a, a solid showing, and I think ditto for Infinity War. I mean, going as a 12 seed, going up against a 5 in Return of the Jedi – to lose 4-2, you know, look, there are no moral victories in Dorkfest, the podcast, the movie madness tournament, but that feels like a bit of a, a bit of a moral victory. Um, you know, we, we talked about the moral quandary that we put Gabe in in the selection show with having Fellowship of the Ring against the Avengers. That was a clean sweep. So we know where Gabo's, you know, allegiances lie there. And, and yeah, I, I, thought, I thought Endgame was going to have a chance. It, it, it did not, as it turns out. But Gabe, you're right. The Batman movies both prevail. It took Dark Knight uh, in a tiebreaker and not quite as close as Ghostbusters losing in a tiebreaker, but Dark Knight does edge the Untouchables 36-24. So not necessarily a resounding tiebreaker win, but the Dark Knight is able to get through. To, to me, the biggest observation that I took away from this was we didn't have nearly as many upsets as I thought we were going to have. I, I thought, I really thought this thing was going to get turned on its head right away. And, and that did not happen. The seeding held, which to your guys' point, it really feels like those franchise favorites, Star Wars, Star Trek, to a lesser extent, James Bond, but some of those favorite go-to movies, they were given high seeds and those proved to be very deserving because for the most part, those higher seeded movies, if they didn't win six, nothing, they won five, one. In other words, they won convincingly in round one. Yeah. We were all uh, feeling gravity's pull on, on that one. Um, I, 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 my main takeaway, my big point 
from the round one observations is two actors that I want to highlight who did really well in round one. Um, and they're not our that they're not our classics. It's it's not Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, although they they did quite well too. But James Earl Jones and John Rice Davis. Um, James Earl Jones went five for five. All three original Star Wars movies advanced. Um, and Hunt for Red October advanced and Field of Dreams advanced. I suppose Rogue One um, and, and Rogue One advanced too. So six for six for James Earl Jones. And John Rice Davis, five out of six. Uh, the two Lord of the Rings, um, the two Indiana Jones, and Living Daylights gets through. Um, the, the only one that he missed on was Return of the King. So two uh, great actors who we don't talk about on every episode of Dorkfest, the podcast, who did really, really well in the first round. Uh, you know, another thought that I had just, you know, kind of looking through is, um, I can't remember if it was one of the upsets we were looking at, but one thing that really surprised me was the fact that Air Force One got not even one. Got vote. clobbered. Got uh, yeah, no love. Absolutely whatsoever. destroyed by Casino Royale. And, and yeah. connected to that, you know, Dan, you were saying a second ago that to a lesser extent, James Bond did well. But actually, looking through it, I, James Bond did quite well. You had Casino Royale, which we just referenced. That went 6-0. and oh. You had Dr. No that got through. You had From Russia With Love got through. Living Daylights got through. I suppose a lot of the higher C James Bonds, they all, they, they, they all found their way through. The lesser seeds, perhaps to a lesser extent. And, and the other thought that I, you know, I was kind of thinking about it in, in reference to the one point question from last week when we were talking about the the strength of each of the different brackets. And I actually went through and just looked at those top four seeds um, and, and looked to see how they did. The Binky region, as two of the dorks referenced, did do particularly the strongest. well. 23 out of 24, but coming up right behind it, Fleck with 22 out of 24 votes. Um, you know, Fleck had Goldfinger went 6-0, and A New Hope went 6-0, and Fellowship went 6-0. and I think that was big for the Fleck region. That was not, we already talked about that, that was not uh, right. expected. And then Star Trek Four in a tight one, 4-2. Uh, but I think if Star Trek Four can take out the Dark Knight, I think it sets up, that bracket I think sets up really nicely the rest of the way for the voyage home. They might be taking a, a voyage home to may, maybe a national championship. I think you make an interesting point on the Bond movies there, Jordy, because you're right. The line can very clearly be drawn between the good Bond movies, which did ex extremely well, Goldfinger, Thunderball, you know, squeaks through, but hey, survive in advance. That's that's the motto this time of year. From Rush With Love, Living Daylights, Casino Royale, those movies all do very well. The other side to that though, the, the sort of like Sunday afternoon James Bond movies, Roger Moore's Moonraker got crushed by Empire. Even the highest rated Roger Moore movie in The Spy Who Loved Me as a nine seed, those eight, nine matchups, we're, we're thinking those are coin flips. Nope. Womp, Spy Who Loved Me got destroyed, 5-1 by The Sting. Uh, Octopussy, as a, as a Bond movie, a franchise movie, going up against a non-franchise movie in Back to the Future, Womp, 5-1. So th those lesser Bond films, I mean, heck, even a Connery Bond in You Only Live Twice 
shut out six nothing by Jurassic Park. So those those lesser Bond movies, they were pretty summarily dismissed. But you're right, the, the cream of the Bond crop didn't seem to have much issue at all in, in that opening round. The one that did have a bit of a tough draw, and I don't think it necessarily fits that mold that you're talking about there, Dan, but I do agree with you in terms of the kind of con- concept that you're talking about there. Goldeneye going down uh, against Toy Story. That's a 10-7 seed, and Goldeneye only got the one vote. Uh, that's, a, that's a 5-1 loss to Toy Story. So there you have, you know, a franchise film, and and of, you know, the latter-day Bond films, Goldeneye is a pretty good one. That one really not putting up much of a fight against Toy story that i was surprised to see i thought that might it might have been uh more of a 4-2 matchup instead of a 5-1 yeah that's a tough draw i I think goldeneye would have had an easier time against the man who would be king um probably not star trek 3 and probably not rogue one the way rogue one took care of born identity but i think uh yeah i i think if if that had gone up against uh the man who would be king uh, I would have been interested to see how the votes would have fallen there. That would have been a harder decision for me to make in favor of Man Who Would Be King. Uh, Man Who Would Be King versus Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, I, I, think, I think that movie's fine. Uh, it, it, better than fine. Pretty darn fun. But I, I already I keep talking about how much I like Man Who Would Be King, despite how absurd it is. Well, and even myself there, Josh, I made the same vote you did. I went for Man Who Would Be King over. Guardians. And so, yeah, there was certainly, I didn't always uh, aid my own Marvel cause this first round, but I, I think all of that does speak to sort of the trends that are present here. I mean, firstly, Bond kind of won the numbers game in a way, or it is interesting to note, Dan, as you say, the cream of the crop certainly rose. Um, Bond by far had the highest number of entries as a group in this bracket. Um, I mean, again, that's just a sheer numbers game over decades of Bond films. But again, it was pretty quickly culled to the classic Bond films that are great in our circles and a couple new ones. But what's interesting, too, is the criteria, I guess, by which we were all sort of approaching this. We had spoken in the first episode how the notion was, generally speaking, what is the movie that we'd all like most to watch together, whether it's the four or extended dorky circle of six, including the Fajas, that uh, we would all watch together. What's the most enjoyable movie for that setting? Um, And it's interesting that I we all sort of split it somewhere um, looking back in, in this one. There's a lot of, a lot of times I think the, the dorky paradigm reigns and every now and then one of us puts out a, a rogue one vote. Gabe, I think where that point becomes most salient is in the tiebreakers because when push yeah, so- came to shove and people were faced with tiebreaking decisions, and spoiler alert, there were three of them in the opening round, and there are more to come in getting from 32 down to 16. But that was where the rubber hit the road, and people planted their flag in the ground and said, no, no, this is, this is my movie, or I think this movie, gosh darn it, or I think so little or not at all of the other movie that I hedge my votes that way. I mean, 10 points, depending on how you allocate them, can really swing a vote pretty darn quickly. And, you know, without letting too much out of the bag, if you went the, and I did this, 
um, you know, you look at, oh, well, I really like these two movies. I voted for this movie, and so I'm going to go 6-4 because I really like these two movies. If you went that way, you stood a very real chance of being disappointed in the end because somebody else probably went, no, 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 no. I want that movie so badly to advance, I go, I go 10 rip on it, or I go, or I go 9-1. And there were quite a few 10-0 scores that were allocated in the tiebreakers. So that, I think, to your point about um, sort of planting your flag in the ground, that's, that's where that came through most of all. I would like, before we advance, um, there was, we did have a situation <laughs> Uh, involving one of the dorks where a pick was made for a movie and then it came down to a tiebreaker and that individual actually in retrospect allocated more points for the movie not voted upon initially anyone here want to fess up to that particular dose of shenanigans Upon video review, <laughs> uh, it was seen that there was goaltender interference, and I picked Dark Knight instead of Untouchables. Takes a lot of courage, Jordy, to step up to the microphone and and not even own your mistake, but just just own up to the the notion that hey, that's what we said though. It depends so, on, so, on so when you vote. So which way you voted so for I Dark vote. Knight? I voted for the Untouchables the first time, okay, correct. and then when Dan asked for we the, the tiebreaker, I went six four Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Oh, <laughs> see that. Well, at least it was. At least it was close. Right. Well, and, and actually, I mean, Dan, to your point, I think I was definitely one of the dorks that that suffered perhaps some disappointment because I did go more of the okay, how close are these two films for me? Because most of mine were six four. I think there might have been a seven three, maybe an eight two in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get, you know, just, and in my defense, there was a bit, a bit of a delay time. You know, I had some more time to think about it. Yeah, okay. Just like, sure. And, 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 you know, there were whispers that no Marvel movies were going to be making it through. So maybe I just did that to make my cousin Gabe feel a little bit better. Make sure that other Batman movie gets through before it gets clobbered by, um, by George and Gracie. All right, gentlemen. So we've broken down from 64 to 32, some interesting observations across the board. Got to award the one point. Uh, a lot of really solid points made, a lot of uh, some math and some breakdowns being done. I am going to award the one point, though, to Josh. I thought he brought the most interesting uh, little tidbit about how James Earl Jones and John Reese davies fared in round number one. I, I will admit that I had run some numbers on some franchises, but had not delved into the actors. So uh, the one point goes to Josh for that little, uh, that little neat observation from the first round. Never said that. <laughs> Never even recall thinking that. <laughs> All right there, Terrence. Yeah, <laughs> Josh. He's, he's beat, coming gonna, at us with a crowbar. Yeah, he's going to beat me with a crowbar <laughs> until I go, go away. away. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> Dog in a beer. 
All right. So Josh gets the point for the one point question. Observations from round one. That's all fine and good. Now we get into the good stuff because now the dorks are going to find out how we get from 32 down to 16. This is where the votes have all been cast. The numbers have been run. The calculator has, we've replaced the battery a couple of times to double and triple check our math here. And we are ready to advance this bracket from 32 movies down to 16. We will begin in the binky region, which, if you'll recall from the round number one, was a nearly chalk situation. The one through seven seeds all advanced. The only lower seed moving on was Star Wars The Last Jedi as a nine seed, which set up a second round matchup between two Star Wars movies. Interestingly enough, the middle movies of their respective trilogies going head-to-head -head in The Empire Strikes Back, the number one seed in the Binky region, and the nine seed in Star Wars The Last Jedi. And Chalk prevails once again as Empire advances five votes to one against The Last Jedi. Nice showing there by Ryan Johnson's film, but in the end, Irvin Kirshner and the boys take care of business. So Empire is moving on. As far as who... The Empire Strikes Back will face in round number two. That to be decided between the 4-5 matchup between another interesting dichotomy here, the first Sean Connery Bond movie and the first Daniel Craig Bond movie. Dr. No as a four seed going up against fifth seeded Casino Royale and a five to one Delta on that one as well as Dr. No advances out of the binky region. So Empire and Dr. No to face off in the round of 16. As for the second half of that bracket, 3-6 showdown between Raiders of the Lost Ark and Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. L-O-T-R is no more as Two Towers falls to Raiders by a 4-2 to two final score. Very respectable showing there by the middle film of that original Lord of the Rings trilogy, but the initial Indiana Jones offering advances to the Sweet 16. And rounding out the Binky region, Second-seeded Hunt for October against seventh-seeded The Man Who Would Be King. This one was a no contest. Six-nothing Hunt advances to the Sweet 16. So it ends up being all chalk into the round of 16 out of the Binky region. Empire will face fourth-seeded Dr. No, while third-seeded Raiders will battle second-seeded Hunt for October. Any surprises, thoughts, observations as to how the Binky region panned out there, gents? I mean, I, I remember at the end of the last pod asked us to take our picks, and I picked Empire, and I, I'm still feeling pretty good about that. Sets up well going up against Dr. No. Um, and then, you know, Raiders coming out winning 4-2. to two, That's a bit closer than I thought it would have been against the Two Towers. I'm really, I'm really glad to see Two Towers putting in that fight. I think that's a great film. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the chalk is not surprising, but the way it came about perhaps lately. Yeah, I think, um, well, I mean, I said the one through four in the binky region was the most likely to all go through to the sweet 16. They all go through to the sweet 16. So I feel somewhat vindicated there. Um, I think Raiders getting through four to two, yeah, Jordan's right. That has everything to do with two towers. That's a really good movie, and um, I suspect that it was Gabe and Chris who cast those two votes for Two Towers. They are totally justified. Um, whoever ended up casting those votes, they would be totally justified. That's a really, really good movie. I um, This bracket looks pretty much as I had sort of mocked out myself, um, and I, I think this is 
interesting to see where the, now our franchise is going to start to really butt heads and crossover fashion. Uh, and this is where I, I think, again, Dan, you said it, where the cream rises to the top. Um, and we're going to see which one we prefer, which brand. And uh, I think um, if I'm going to make predictions out of this, I think uh, this is maybe where Bond starts to fall off the list in a couple of cases. I think uh, Empire is going to be a tough – Dr. No has no snow speeders. There's no way to tie up the juggernaut AT-AT that is Empire Strikes Back. And I think uh, Raiders in Red October gives me pause, if I'm honest. That's a very tough matchup, Josh. You said in the last podcast, um, you know, whether it's Raiders or Last Crusade for best overall Indiana Jones movie depends on the day of the week. and Maybe that also depends on, you know, what gets in and what we feel deserves a shot between the two of them. But, yeah, I think that's a really interesting matchup. This whole bracket now is indicative, I think, of, of the best of the matchups of Dorkfest, the podcast. I do want to give a fond farewell to the man who would be king. Uh, Gabe, you and I really like that movie. We met upon the level. And we are parting upon the square. All right, question to pose for the group, because the number one seed in this region is the Empire Strikes Back, which swept its opening round matchup with Moonraker and does win easily 5-1 over Last Jedi in round two. But the hunt for October disposed of Star Trek V in a 6-0 sweep in round one and now dismantles the man who would be king in round two, also 6-0. Is it possible now that second-seeded Hunt is the favorite in the Binky region? You know, I think it's possible, but I think we also have to look at the path they've taken to get there. And arguably, Empire has had the easier road. Um, you know, admittedly, the first round is kind of a soft matchup for either one. But I think we hold uh, the matchup of Final Frontier against Red October. I think we hold that one in slightly higher esteem, uh, just nostalgically speaking, than Moonraker, which was up against Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and honestly, between Empire and Last Jedi, I know there's a lot of Last Jedi love on this podcast, of which I'm a part. But if it's going to come down between that or Empire, Empire takes Star Wars, you know, nine times out of ten, unless we're really feeling Rogue One or A New Hope any given day. So I think it's um, I think no question that Red October is a a sneaky film, a shifty one, one might say. It's got a uh, you know that caterpillar drive is really helping it get closer and closer to the Sweet Sixteen. But you cannot discount the empire striking back yeah i mean i think i think it's possible but i also feel like that might be an instance in which we're reading too much into the trends instead of looking at the overall picture you know hunt going up against star trek 5 it should have won 6-0 and it did win 6-0 and then i think hunt also benefits from going up against the man who would be king which for me is is not a film that I really enjoy. And, and I think for a lot of the other dorks, when it's put up against the Hunt for Red October, it, it, you know, that should be another easy win. Um, I look at the second round matchup between Empire and The Last Jedi. I feel like that's a tougher matchup for Empire than Man Who Would Be King is for Hunt for Red October. So, you know, when you kind of look at how the matchups have rolled out, I, I feel like it kind of makes sense that Empire struggles a little bit in that second round. I feel like we shouldn't read too much into that. I'm still really comfortable with Empire moving forward. I admit I'm not really sure. I, I think this is a good question from from Dan because I, I look at that Empire versus Last Jedi as like 
every now and then in the tournament, you get these conference rivals who meet in the second round and like they've played three times it, during the year. And, you know, the, they, they go like, you know, the, the better team goes two and one and then, you know, they, they win in the in that second round game by like 12 points or something. So it's sort of close, but not really. Um, you know, what does that tell you? I, I don't know. These two movies are really similar to each other. Hunt is great. I, I'm I'm just afraid that Hunt has a ceiling because it's Connery, but not our favorite Connery. There are two genre Conneries that I think we all enjoy more elsewhere. Uh, whereas Empire is, you know, is a blue blood. It's the, it's the cream of the crop here. So I, in the end, I would say that Empire is still definitely the favorite in, in this region, in my opinion. And don't forget, Empire is still the number one overall seed in the tournament. And so it finds a way to advance to the Sweet 16. So again, Empire, Dr. No, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Hunter Red October, all advancing out of the Binky region. Let's advance to the Danil region, where the top seed there, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, met up with Gabe's beloved Batman in the second round. And sorry, Gabo, this one is all Indy and Dr. Henry Jones. Indiana Jones Last Crusade, a 6 nothing sweep in round number two as Last Crusade advances to the Sweet 16. As far as who Indiana Jones will meet in round number two, that came down to the 4-5 showdown between Back to the Future and Return of the Jedi. And it also was where we found our first tie of the second round. A 3-3 tie after the initial votes were cast ends up being a total landslide victory for fourth-seeded Back to the Future as Marty McFly gets the DeLorean up to 88 miles per hour and by a 42-18 to tiebreaker count, Back to the Future just crushes Han, Luke, and Leia. Like, like the chicken walker got smushed by those those tree trunks from the Ewoks that's what happened to Return of the Jedi courtesy of Marty Doc and the DeLorean so Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade will face back to the future in the second round the rest of this region third seeded from Russia with love meeting upstart upset 11 seed a league of their own and Jimmy Dugan was caught in the bathroom a little too long and that allows from Russia with love to win easily five to one over a league of their own nice showing there by the Rockford peaches but in the end it's from Russia with love five to one and bond in the next round facing off against either second-seeded Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, or seventh-seeded Toy Story. And I'll admit, this one ended up being a little closer than I thought. It does go to Star Trek VI, but by a four-to-two count, Woody and Buzz getting a couple of votes in round number two. So it does end up being chalk, albeit, I think, Interestingly, though, in the Danil region, as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade will meet fourth-seeded Back to the Future, while the 2-3 matchup in the round of 16 will feature Star Trek VI and From Russia with Love. First question I would like to pose to the group after hearing that 4-2 victory, Star Trek VI over Toy Story 2, I think a number of us thought that Star Trek VI was a definite 
favorite in this bracket. Gable, I believe you were on the record as saying Star Trek VI would win the whole thing after that 4-2 squeak-out victory over Toy Story. Any pause for that final edition of the original crew on the cinema screen? Honestly, none. That's just a reflection of how good Toy Story is, even when up against a favorite. And honestly, any reasonable person out in the world might properly vote for Toy Story over Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. But here on Dorkfest, the podcast, we are staunch believers. We gave you an entire podcast on Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and I will continue to back Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Uh, as long as it's on this bracket, I think that's still a tough one to beat. But uh, a great showing from Toy Story, not what I expected either. And um, really nice to see. It's a tremendous movie. Um, next question I'd like to pose to the group. I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone that Back to the Future and Return of the Jedi were locked in a 3-3 tie after the initial vote. Anyone surprised at the eventual Delta 42-18 to 18, as Back to the Future ends up by that vote, advancing rather easily out of the round of 32. Hugely. I'll explain this by going back to the basketball tournament. This happens all the time where, a, you know, a, a game gets to overtime and then the overtime score ends up being like 24 to three. This happened in this year's tournament with UCLA. I forget who they were playing, but they blew out the team by like 20 points in overtime. They scored more points in a five minute overtime than they did in the entire second 20 minute second half of the game. Um, this happens. As Dan said, when the rubber meets the road, uh, people put their put their flag in the ground in a serious fashion. Jordan talked about how in the first question, how he was a little judicious with his points. Um, I tried to be judicious too, but I was judicious with where I laid the hammer down. I, I, I threw out some 10 zeros and my vote in favor of Back to the Future here went nine to one in favor of Back to the Future. Um, I've watched the Return of the Jedi um, admit special edition recently and was really, really turned off by several of the, um, of the special edition additions um, to, to the point where I'm 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 ready to put Last Jedi and Rogue One ahead of Return of the Jedi in my Star Wars rankings. So I, I I was I'm thrilled that Back to the Future got its act together, punched it up to 88, and uh, was able to get that flux capac capacitor fluxing. I'm not so much surprised that Back to the Future ended up pulling it through. Although uh, interestingly, kind of you know on the other side of what Josh said, Dan, if you had told me that point spread beforehand. I think I might have guessed that that would have gone in favor of Return of the Jedi. It might be based on the fact that those franchise films are just going to be more likely, in my estimation, to get those higher scores. Um, ultimately, though, as everyone else has said, I'm, I'm glad to see Marty McFly still sporting that vest, um, surviving through, the, through to the Sweet 16. We'll have to see how well the DeLorean stands up against the Holy Grail, though. That's going to be uh, a tough road to gun down especially if Indy's on a horse, as we've noted. Let it go, Doc. Let it go. I would like to quickly steer our attention to what is now the 2-3 matchup between second-seeded Star Trek VI and third-seeded from Russia with Love. I think before this tournament began, we all would have said Star Trek VI prevails there rather easily. But from Russia with Love has been a juggernaut early on. 
swept Gladiators 6 nothing in the opening round, and a league of their own got a ton of support in the first round, which was summarily forgotten in round two when put up against Red Grant and Rosa Kleb and the gang. From Russia with Love wins that 5-1. to one. Do we think that From Russia with Love has a real shot of ousting Star Trek Six in the next round? I sure do. I think I mean, it I definitely does. I know I'm championing Star Trek Six, but yeah, I'm, I'm shaking in my little space boots a little bit, in my, in my gravity boots. Are we in agreement, though, based on the results so far, that Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is still the favorite, though, in this region? Are, are we still believing that? Favorite in the region and favorite overall for the tournament. Oh, wow. there it is. There it is. See, I, I think that's a tough matchup. That's what it comes down to is that's what will prove me wrong is Star Trek Six versus Last Crusade, and I think that is a good chance of happening. Wow, Gabe's already jumping ahead. Gabe has already slotted Star Trek Six past from Russia with Love and into the round of eight. Back Very to the future. Back to the future succeeding breaks my whole prediction for all this kind of stuff. So I'm I all I got to do is throw stuff at the wall now. This is the beauty of Dorkfest, the podcast. So very interesting though on on the one half of our bracket. The top four seeds in each of those two regions advance out of the Binky region and out of the Daniel region. We'll have to see, though, if that continues with the other two regions. Okay, gentlemen, we advance now to the Fleck region, the other half of our movie madness bracket here. And starting with the top seed, Goldfinger, the number one rated Bond movie, which was going up against a movie, eight seed, The Sting, that got a really nice showing in round number one. Ultimately, though, it is Goldfinger advancing, though, only a four to two count. The Sting getting a couple of votes in the round of 32, but Goldfinger does advance, meeting either fourth seeded Star Trek for The Voyage Home or fifth seeded The Dark Knight. Remember, it took a tiebreaker for The Dark Knight to advance out of the opening round against 12th seeded The Untouchables. No tiebreaker needed this time around. The Voyage Home voyages its way into the Sweet 16. George and Gracie and the gang advancing rather easily five to one. The Dark Knight getting only one vote in the round of 32. So in the Sweet 16 in the Fleck region, it will be top-seeded Goldfinger taking on fourth-seeded Star Trek Four. We move now to the other half of that remaining Fleck region where third-seeded Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring met up against 11th-seeded Skyfall. Remember, Skyfall upset Avengers Endgame in the opening round. No second upset coming for Skyfall as Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring advances to the Sweet 16 by a 4-2 to two final count. Again, Skyfall as an 11 seed, getting a couple of votes in the round of 32, but Fellowship of the Ring does make its way to the Sweet 16. In that Sweet 16 matchup, Fellowship facing off against either Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, or Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. I was really excited that this matchup happened when putting the bracket together. This was one of those fun, kind of playful matchups I thought would be interesting in the second round. It proved to be interesting because we needed a tiebreaker between Rogue One and Star Wars A New Hope. And hold on to your hats, gentlemen, because Rogue One has made its way to the Sweet 16. This is the kind of 
head-scratching decision that will have people unsubscribing to our podcast faster than you can get the light speed. But out of the Fleck region, the bracket has been turned on its head as Goldfinger will face Star Trek IV in the Sweet 16 and Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, will collide with seventh-seeded Rogue One. Gentlemen, we're not going to bury the lead on this one. I need your thoughts right here, right now, the raw reaction to hearing that Star Wars A New Hope, the original Star Wars film that sparked all of our collective love of this enduring, endearing franchise, is out of here after only one victory. Devastating. Just devastating. What was this? What was the tiebreaker score? The tiebreaker score ended up being 33-27 in favor of Rogue One. It is worth noting there were three 10-0 votes that were cast in the tiebreaker. Two of those went to Rogue One. One of them went to A New Hope, and the other members of the Dorkfest contingency really not wanting to put two feet on one side of the line here. There were two six four votes and one seven three. So really half the crew was divided and the other half said, no, no, I'm going to stand behind my film. And in the end, among those three guys that said, I'm standing behind mine, there were two for Rogue One and only one for New Hope. And Josh, I think you're the disappointed guy who went 10-0. Yeah, I was the 10-0 for, for New Hope. So, so I, need, I need you uh, Rogue Oneers to, to, to explain yourselves. I got – I was with you. I was uh, – I mean, I probably, in retrospect, should have weighted A New Hope higher. I, I thought – I'm surprised as heck. that I, I thought that was going to be a, kind of a sleeper, um, honestly, kind of a sleeper hit. But um, sorry, Jordan, I think I spoke over you. Uh, that, 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 that's okay, Gabe. I appreciate you getting polite in your old age. I'll speak up on behalf of Rogue One. Um, I definitely did vote for Rogue One. Um, I believe, Dan, if I'm correct, I'm the one that went 7-3 in favor of Rogue One. I don't remember going 10-0, although I did forget what I picked between the Untouchables and Dark Knight, so it's possible. No, no, Jordy. I mean, yes, you did did vote in favor of Rogue One. You were only a a 6-4. 6-4, Rogue One, yep. And and, I mean, for me, this one was, like you, Dan, I was looking forward to this matchup because I think this matchup deserved to be close. Um, Ultimately, when I saw that it was a tie, I was thinking, okay, that's great for Rogue One. New Hope's going to end up winning out, and it probably should. Um, But even though I voted for it, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked by this, too. At the same time, though, you know, one of our first podcasts, we were talking about the great new things that the Star Wars franchise is doing. And in that we talked about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. This was a, a phenomenal film. It, you know, it, 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 it's not the original. Um, it can never be the original. But, you know, we also just talked a second ago about how with the special editions that we're forced, forced to watch of the originals now, that detracts from the enjoyment of them a little bit. And maybe this is one where the recency bias gets us a little bit. Um, You know, I I do think there's something kind of ironic um, about the fact that like, you know, this movie ends 10 minutes before the movie that it just knocked out begins. Um, You know, the, the idea that you don't get to then 
wait 10 minutes and watch the next one right after that. It, it, it's really, really surprising. But, you know, that it's a reason they call it movie madness. Gabe, I want to go to you because you're among the group disappointed that A New Hope is out. But if we look ahead, seven-seated Rogue One now faces off against Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring in the Sweet 16. That's a Lord of the Rings movie that I think you really believe might have a hard time getting to the Sweet 16. That hasn't been the case. And now in the next round, I can tell you flat out that one of the ardent Rogue One supporters, one of those 10-0 votes that went Rogue One versus A New Hope, if it comes down to a tiebreaker, it's not going that way in the next round unless all of a sudden your dad has changed his allegiances without any of us knowing. What do you think of Fellowship's chances now against Rogue One in the Sweet 16? I have to say, as much as Back to the Future broke my Daniel region bracket, uh, Fellowship breaks my Fleck region bracket predictions in the same way, but just delightfully so. Uh, I, I am overjoyed to see Fellowship in the Sweet 16. Never thought it was going to get there. Um, really been great to see the, the, all the love outpouring for, for the Fellowship for that first outing. Uh, into Middle Earth from from all parties, really. That said, um, yeah, I'm a little nervous about it going up against Rogue One because Rogue One has proven to be quite the juggernaut itself. Um, Star Mazurka, I have nothing on Director Krennic and his Death Troopers at this point. I mean, they're just marching right through the beaches of Scarif, uh, and the Fellowship is penned at Amon Hen. I mean, this is it's going to be a tough one. Um, that said, knowing that there's some votes in the offing is encouraging. I have to say that um, my dad's vote might not be entirely reliable when it comes to fellowship among the, the wider dorky group. Um, but we, we'll just have to see. It is always one of those brackety things. Fellowship does have that nine man rotation. They got a deep bench. They're <laughs> not going to have to worry about foul trouble. The, the way things are shaping up now with, Voyage Home with a better margin of victory than Goldfinger, I think Voyage Home could be in the, the Elite Eight, and I think Fellowship could go all the way to the Final Four. I think this sits up really good. This it's is really good for Fellowship right now. It's a really dynamic region, yeah. I mean that's interesting because I you know I think I I'm I'm a, I'm happy about Rogue One also because I'm partial to Fellowship of the Ring and I think this makes that road a little bit easier um, as they try to make their way um, all the way uh, but I think you know Dan to your question that you directed towards Gabe I think this actually is a lot more about Voyage Home than it is about the matchups that's set up for Fellowship. Because Voyage Home, presumably, at some point, was going to have to go up against Star Wars A New Hope. Now it doesn't have to. Rogue One is taking care of that for it. Now you've got Fellowship and Rogue One. They're going to duke it out in this next round. I think that Voyage Home sets up with a very favorable matchup up against Goldfinger, and now all of a sudden it gets to pick on the scraps that are left over between that other bout. I still like my pick of Empire, but if I'm going to put some money down somewhere, I kind of like the idea of Voyage Home maybe making a run all the way in. I think it's fascinating how Goldfinger is just being so easily dismissed right now when, you know, 
yes, we talked in the selection show about how we have previously spoken about the things that are wrong with James Bond movies and that those things are represented in the film of Goldfinger as well. It's, it's far from a perfect movie, but it also is a really darn good flick. It is not consensus number one Bond movie, but it is in the conversation alongside From Russia With Love and really nobody else. And I think it's fascinating. I mean, the, the sense I'm getting from the group is that the voyage home is already in the elite eight. Is it really that simple? I don't think it's that simple, but I do think that, you know, we've had a two seed go down now. And so I think from here on out, nobody can feel that safe. All right. So we've got Goldfinger facing Star Trek four and, and somehow now Lord of the Rings facing Rogue One in the Sweet 16 out of the Fleck region. So we know 12 of the 16 films that will comprise the Sweet 16. Let's round out the field by revealing the final four entries. These coming out of the Shifty region, where the top seed Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, met up with eight-seeded The Living Daylights in the round of 32. And Khan wins easily. Six nothing. Star Trek II advancing past the lone Timothy Dalton offering here in Dorkfest the Podcast Movie Madness. Now, as far as who Star Trek II will face in the next round, that boiled down to Thunderball against The Rock. Thunderball the four seed, The Rock the five seed. Remember Thunderball needing that tiebreaker victory in round number one to survive and advance into round number two. And stop me when this sounds familiar, Thunderball needed another tiebreaker in round number two, but James Bond, look up, look down, look out, and Bond survives once again, fourth-seeded Thunderball eking past the rock. Well, not so much eking, 37-23, is the tiebreaker difference as Thunderball moves into the Sweet 16 where it will face top-seeded Star Trek II. Now, bottom half of the Shifty region, third-seeded Jurassic Park facing sixth-seeded Field of Dreams. And by a 4-2 to two final count, Roy Kinsella advances into the round of 16. This one had me scratching my head, that's for sure, but Jurassic Park is out. So we will not have the Spielberg v. Spielberg matchup in the round of 16. Instead, six-seeded Field of Dreams will face off against second-seeded Jaws after Jaws swallows up the competition of Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, by a five-to-one count, thus rounding out the shifty region. So we end up with Star Trek II facing off against Thunderball, and on the bottom half of that bracket, Jaws will face off against Field of Dreams. A lot to unpack there. Let's start with the upset, Field of Dreams, ousting Jurassic Park. Josh, I want to go to you first because you were a Field of Dreams supporter. Field of Dreams ended up winning that region four to two. Didn't even need a tiebreaker to do it. What boiled down into the decision to advance Field of Dreams over Jurassic Park? This was the hardest decision for me in the entire bracket so far. Um, I, I, I had looked ahead on a few matchups and, and I hadn't gotten, and I just, so, so like, 
a few of these down the line, like uh, Raiders versus uh, Hunt for Red October. Like I, I, I had begun processing that one that, that we're going to have to vote on uh, in a week or so. I hadn't begun mentally processing Field of Dreams versus Jurassic Park. And then there it was. And I had no idea what to do. Um, and so I, I ended up putting together like a rough, like tiered list of like my favorite movies, just like I ended up with like 14 or so and Field of Dreams and Jurassic Park both ended up in that like second tier between like eight and 13. And, and so like I, I, I had, that was no help. I, I didn't know what to do. And you said dress that uh, Field of Dreams didn't need a tiebreaker. It was very close to needing a tiebreaker because when I was writing my email reply to you, Dan, I wrote Jurassic Park first and then highlighted and deleted and went back to Field of Dreams. Um, you know, the, the nostalgic pull of, of that movie is incredibly strong. And I think where I felt it pulled even with Jurassic Park. So I, I love Jurassic Park for the action and the score is great, but it doesn't have the heart that Field of Dreams had. And then I remember James Horner's score on Field of Dreams and how great that was. And it was that music that I think propelled me to um, the, the, the place where dreams come true for Field of Dreams, and that's what made me to change my vote at the end. So it was a very dramatic, you know, 15 minutes for me figuring that out. Is this heaven? No, it's Dorkfest the podcast, where <laughs> these sort of tantalizing decisions and discoveries uh, are made. I would next, and Gabe, I'm, I'm going to look to you for your thoughts here. Uh, Thunderball. We talked earlier, survive in advance is the motto this time of year. What does it say about Thunderball to be able to survive two tiebreakers and get to the Sweet 16? Does Thunderball have a chance against the Wrath of God? I am truly impressed with Thunderball's resilience um, in the face of all of its matchups. It is uh, really been striking to see because I've counted Thunderball personally out at pretty much each turn and yet here it is staring me in the face sporting a hydro pack with spear gun launchers attached so I think I, got, I might have to back down in the face of it but at the same time um, I don't think Emilio Largo is facing down Khan I, we, you have to consider the matchup and yeah I think you said it Dan Thunderball has needed two ties to get to that this point so while it has been resilient and while it has kind of been maybe the consensus favorite after the fact, upon second consideration, Wrath of Khan has come here pretty cleanly. And it's tough to see uh, as the admittedly fourth weakest Connery outing, beloved though it is amongst the early Bond films, prevailing against the mastery of Wrath of Khan. Yeah, Gabe, the point that you made at the end there is, is, is the key one. Star Trek II advances 5-1 in the first round and then 6-0 in the second round. They haven't really been tested. And I think Thunderball's just coming in. I mean, they're, they got to be tired at this point. They're exhausted at this point. Um, and, and I think they're just going up. I mean, they're going up against the one seed, right? They, and there is something to be said for that, right? This is a four seed that, that had to go through two tiebreakers and they, and they got to where they're supposed to be. And this is when they're supposed to be kicked out of this tournament. Um, 
And I, I think there's really no question about it that at this point, you know, between those two films, Thunderball and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, um, Khan's got it. I, I'm, I'm even going to put, put this down. I'd be surprised to see this be even a 5-1 matchup um, or, or even a 4-2 matchup. I, I, I see 5-1 or 6-0 for Wrath of Khan uh, moving it on beyond this round. Yes, I thought I saw a specter at their shoulder. The specter of defeat. Their luck is due to change. I, I, I believe so. Also, I think, I think Rathacon, um probably finishes the job on on Thunderball. I, I'm I'm kind of curious to to wonder how far um, how far Terrence Mann and and Ray Kinsella can go. Um, Jaws is not a franchise movie. Jaws does not have Harrison Ford or Sean Connery. So it doesn't have any of our, you know, our probably two most beloved actors. Um, it does have John Williams' score, though. It does. But, but like I just talked about, Field of Dreams has James Horner. I, I, we're not voting on this for a little while. Gabe, I would encourage you to go watch, seek out Field of Dreams. Um, or, or at least seek out the soundtrack. It, it, at the very least, seek that out, the soundtrack. I, I kind of thought that Jaws would, would sail, would cruise uh, through most of this bracket, but now I'm really intrigued by what Field of Dreams might be able to put in its path. Josh, you bring up an interesting point. I do need to revisit Field of Dreams. It's certainly overdue at this point. And uh, I think before I give an honest vote on this, I, I shall. But I think it is interesting to note that both of these movies, as you sort of note with Jaws, they're kind of, with both, really, they're succeeding on their own merits. These aren't franchise connection films. More like, you know, we're not doing a whole dork fest, the podcast about Jaws 2 or Jaws 3D here. Absolutely not. Um, you know, these are movies that stand alone because of their own excellence. And I think it is a, it seems at this point that both have really earned their spot and it is a worthy matchup. I'm going to try and give it, its, give it its due. So ultimately out of the shifty region, we end up with a one, two, four, and six seeds. Star Trek II will face Thunderball in the round of 16, while second-seeded Jaws will meet sixth-seeded Field of Dreams. We have our 16 films that will comprise the Sweet 16 of the Dorkfest, the podcast, Movie Madness Tournament. Just to very quickly recap, out of the Binky region, Empire Strikes Back, Dr. No, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Hunt for Red October, out of the Danil region, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Back to the Future, From Russia with Love, and Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Those two regions all representing the top four seeds in each region. Other half of the bracket, though, it gets a little wonky. Out of the Fleck region, Goldfinger. Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring, and Rogue One. And as we said, out of the shifty region, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, Thunderball, Field of Dreams, and Jaws. So in the Sweet 16, we have three Star Trek movies, two, four, and six, all still left. Three, or excuse me, four James Bond movies. The first four Connery offerings, Dr. No, From Rush With Love, Goldfinger, and Thunderball, all still alive. That means we have six films with Sean Connery in them in the Sweet 16. The two Indiana Jones movies do advance from 64 to 16. And maybe I think the most startling 
note of all, only two Star Wars films remain as we move into the Sweet 16 in The Empire Strikes Back and Rogue One. Time now to award the two points for this particular effort here. And this is a real doozy because everybody just made some really salient points and there was no prep. Nobody could prepare for this portion of the podcast because we're just getting, you know, raw emotions and and things off the cuff. I am going to award the two points to Gabo. And it's out of the Fleck region, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, able to advance into the Sweet 16. Gabe really made a nice argument for Fellowship's chances, but also really noting the strength of Rogue One. And I think as we move into the Sweet 16, it may not be the marquee matchup, but I think that's probably the most tantalizing and interesting matchup as we move into the Sweet 16. I thought Gabe made some really good points there. So Gabe, the two points are yours. I'm going to skip ahead to a voted out movie here to help out Fellowship and just say, I hope all the votes come back to Fellowship now at the turn of the tide. (laughs) boy. That's what, two towers? Okay, thank goodness. All right, so Gabo's got two points. Josh has a point. We move now to our three-point, and, th- and this one's easy. Uh, I, again, there was really no prep for this because we all laid down votes uh, in the selection show as far as what movie we thought, looking at the entire bracket, had the best chance of going all the way. Uh, Gabo, you were on the record with Star Trek Six, correct? That is correct. I I had Jaws. Josh, Jordan, can you remind our listeners what movies you had pegged for your initial projection? Last Crusade for me. And I went chalk with the number one overall seed, Empire Strikes Back. That's right. So so Last Crusade, Empire, Star Trek VI, and Jaws were our initial projections. For three points now here on this particular show, I want to know who you got now. Now that we know the 16 films that are remaining, all four of those choices are all still available, still in the field. But I want to know who you got now in looking at the way the results have panned out through the first couple of rounds and looking at matchups going forward, who you got now? Josh, can you get us started? I think this is an interesting question because the next round of voting is going to be done live. And so a movie really could pick up momentum and 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 carry through some some potentially difficult matchups. I'm gonna stick with Last Crusade. It it did I, I think it swept both its first and second round matchups. Interestingly enough, it did not sweep round one. That was the one point that we did not note is that 16 seed, the rise of Skywalker, oh, yes. did receive one vote. Gabe would, Gabe, would you like to tell particularly us who and maybe individual. why Rise of Skywalker got a point? Y'all are going to be surprised. Um, there is another. <laughs> and it is my father. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris did give Rise of Skywalker a So, you know, even, even in the last pod, Dan, you said that you had enough integrity to, to, to not make that yeah. vote. But, but clearly, somebody felt a lot worse. Schmoogy Larson, <laughs> lacking in integrity. Not, so, not so, lacking in integrity. He's just, he has grown beyond Indy, and he, the only time he saw Rise of Skywalker was the 
very yeah. enjoyable time. We all got to see it together at the theater, and I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that the dark side has clouded his judgment somewhat. <laughs> um, you know, I, you got to respect his choice. He, he made it honestly, even if it is, you know, in its own way, somewhat inexplicable. So, Josh, to your point, not a sweep for Last Crusade, but, but darn, close. darn close. A couple convincing um, victories. Yeah. So, um, going up against Back to the Future next, which needed a tie to get through. I th- like I said, when we were going over that region, I think it's still the favorite in that region. And I, yeah, I, I just think Ford and Connery, you know, and it being a franchise movie should be able uh, to carry it through. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a Herculean effort to be Empire Strikes Back or Star Trek Two or Goldfinger or, 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 you know, if Fellowship of the Ring get, gains a lot of momentum or if Thunderball can continue its, you know, cardiac kid run, um, you know, it, it would be a real job to beat those movies, but I, I'm going to stick with my original pick. Josh stays on the board with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade out of the Daniel region. Gabe, what say you? I say that I'm following Josh's example and I'm sticking with my original pick too. There is no question a truly difficult struggle ahead uh, for Star Trek VI to overcome the last crusade, uh, perhaps ultimately. And, 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 you know, it's um, for me that it comes down to how we're talking about these things. You know, we, we had spoken that our general criteria are, voting for the stuff that we ourselves would enjoy watching whenever we're able to get together again. Um, and boy, it's tough to argue against somebody saying, Hey guys, you know what? Let's pop in this DVD I have of Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Remember how much fun it is to watch that movie. And it, and it truly is. But I keep coming back to the fact that the very first commissioner's collection podcast we recorded was for the undiscovered country. And there was almost no question about it. It was more or less a unanimous decision that the first movie that we were gonna give our dorky gold standard to was the undiscovered country. And maybe Cliff Eidelman is not John Williams. Well, okay, Cliff Eidelman is not John Williams, but boy, does he really turn out a Herculean effort for that score. And all of these actors that are have been playing these roles for 30 years at that point, you know, it's tough to say no to the swan song of the franchise that arguably is the one that is the basis of the dorky glue that binds us. Uh, and that's the last bit I'll shill for uh, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. But that's why I'm sticking with it. I feel powerfully about it. Last Crusade is a worthy opponent, no question. And I won't even feel mad if that's what takes it out because it's a, it's a tremendous film. But I think it's tough to argue again to be or not to be is the question for star trek six at this point all right so gabe sticks with his original choice of star trek six as well jordy bring us home who you got now second chance bracket for you here on Dorkfest the podcast who you got now so i have to admit i am i am feeling conflicted and and this might be just because i usually don't win these things as our listeners very well know by now so it's occurring to me now that whatever my past judgment was it was probably flawed so I'm thinking that I should rethink my judgment now of course then by the next week's pod I will have to rethink that judgment at that point a a couple of thoughts that are that that are going through and I and I'm gonna go ahead I'm gonna go ahead and say it right now I'm gonna be the only dork that's gonna change his pick 
it's no longer Empire for me. Um, I'm still thinking through what the other, because there are a couple of ones that are rolling around in my head, but a couple of thoughts that are rolling around in my head right now. You know, Dan, you were listing out the different franchises that advanced to the Sweet 16, and I was surprised to hear that the most highly represented one was indeed the James Bond franchise. Uh, that would not have been my guess moving forward. I mean, obviously, you have the most number of films that could have possibly advanced, but you know, we talked last week about how James Bond is kind of falling out of favor for us. Um, and yet it kind of, you know, it, it doesn't, the results did not follow that trend. So that's making me rethink and, you know, wonder, should we be looking at a Dr. No or perhaps a From Russia with Love that might take out Star Trek Six, and, you know, and unfortunately make my, my cousin less happy. Um, and I already talked about the Voyage Home, right? I, I might be thinking a little bit far ahead right here. I think the Voyage Home has a tough matchup going up against Goldfinger. But if it's able to get past that, then it's staring down Fellowship, which is an excellent movie. But if we look at the dorky contingent, I feel like there are a lot of votes that would lean towards Star Trek Four, and given a tiebreaker situation, would lean heavily towards Star Trek Four, And then from there, you're looking at Jaws, which again is a great movie, but Gabe, to go back to what you were saying earlier, that line of, you know, kind of determination for us of what are we going to get the most of enjoyment out of, what's more enjoyable than watching Chekhov, you know, run away from those nuclear vessels? Um, it, it, I'm really, really torn. Um, I, I, I'm going to go for it right now. I'm going to go big. I'm not why well, I'm going to go big and I am going to go home. I am saying that my new pick is the number four seed out of the Fleck region, Star Trek four, the voyage home. Take some onions there, fella. Take some onions first and foremost to admit that your prior selection is no bueno. And it takes some even bigger onions to say, I'm going to put a four seed. The heck with these guys that are going ones and twos. I'm going a four seed in the voyage home. Now, of course, because it's me, I probably just dug its grave. That's very probable. But before that happens, it did get you the three points and the victory. Because to have the stones to say, you know what? I'm altering course and I'm going with a different and not to just alter to a different favorite, but to go to a four seed, that takes some courage there, fella. And courage sometimes equals Dorkfest the podcast victories. Well done, Binky. I, I truly don't know what to say. I, I'm hoping that my proclamation from earlier is indeed going to come true. Um, and, and, and if not, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to keep waiting to see No Time to Die. Well, we definitely will keep waiting for that. For for whatever it's worth, I would also have altered, and I picked Jaws initially. I think Star Trek II has, has the best path going forward. I think it's interesting that three of us are taking Star Trek movies, but different ones to go all the way. We will just have to see how it all pans out when 16 films get down to just one, the one film to rule them all when it's all said and done. 
That's going to do it for another edition of DorkFest, the podcast. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us once again. We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you enjoy your podcast, be it Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please, please, please be sure to follow and connect with us on Instagram at DorkFest underscore podcast. For Josh, Jordan, Gabe, I am Dan. Thank you so much once again for joining us on another edition of DorkFest, the podcast. And until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay dorky.